Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Top Cut Yu-Gi-Oh! Podcast. My name is Sonny, the host with the most, and I'm here with my co-host, Caleb. Hello! And we have a very special, wonderful guest with us tonight. What is up, Gary, a.k.a. GGYGO? How's it going, everyone? Glad to be back. All right, we had to bring Gary back onto the podcast because he has something that we don't, which is actual knowledge about the Yu-Gi-Oh! metagame. So... We decided to bring in someone that is much more of an expert than we are because we want to talk with all the return of regionals and YCSs and such. We want to talk about the events themselves, what we can expect, and what we can expect to see and play against. Oh, yeah. Okay. With all of that said, before we get too far in, we, of course, want to thank all of our wonderful patrons. So a huge thank you to... Austin Johnson, Salix, Kane Martin, Damian Zink, Marshawn Jones, Master of Eyes, and Mr. Herbie's Witchcrafter Main 2022, Zephyrius AD, Aaron Gardner, Anthony Leela, Opelousa is a Floodgate, Dank Nugs, Dino Nugs, now with Dank DNA, Kevin Hugh, Mountain Man, Myth Oceanus, o- Owen Alvarado, Pig, Rudolph, Seth Oom, Sneaky Links, What Does Pot of Greed Do, Chris Myers, MBT's Hard Leg, Ray Powell, Slaking It Up, Sunny Sweet, and Zypherus. Thank you all so much for your continued support of the podcast. If you want to support at no extra cost to you, be sure to, of course, check out our TCG Player affiliate link in the description down below. And if you want to go above and beyond to support the podcast, you can also check out our playmat for sale right now on ImperiumDuelist.com. That link is in the description down below. If you like and enjoy the podcast, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe on both Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Check us out on Twitter, check out our Discord, and of course, check out Gary, aka GGYGO. He is on Twitch. I believe it's just GGYGO on Twitch. Is that right? 
gg underscore ygo i'm trying to get gg ygo stuff gotcha so gg underscore ygo on twitch and what about on youtube it's uh just straight up gg uh ygo there gg ygo okay and of course also on metify and we will have some links to his stuff down in the description below of course so with that said let's got let's get all that out of the way and done and let's talk about there is actually a little bit of uh kind of quick play news and stuff to cover uh let's talk about first we think we have some announced uh announcements from konami so the world championship of 2022 has been canceled due to everything everything that's going on right just kind of yeah yeah, I'm moving just kind of randomly waving my head in the hand in the air. Yeah, just you know, due to the world. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have new in-person YCS events for North America. We have Hartford, Connecticut, on May 28th, Niagara Falls uh, on September 10th, Minneapolis on October 22nd, and Pasadena on November 5th. Cool. Yep. Uh, that's about it. So that's that's great. Yep. We won't be there at any of those, more than likely, but. Yeah. Uh, it is cool. We're we, we're actually we're debating the Niagara Falls one, but some things would really have to break right for that to happen. Oh yeah. Uh, so moving on, we got some new product news. Um, so they released like the full product description for the tw- for the 2022 Megatons, the Ten of Pharaoh's Gods. I have the whole thing right here, but I'm just going to uh, you know, pull go down to the bottom. Here we go. <clears throat> um, it also includes seven new cards. So seven brand new cards, as well as all-time great cards from years past, like Ghost Ogre and Snow Rabbit, Ash Blossom and Joy of Spring, Lightning Storm, Nibiru, Forbidden Droplet, Red Eye Star Dragoon, and more. So it's already pretty stacked with the uh, reprints, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be better, you know, if they weren't, you know, if they weren't randomized, if they were promos, that'd yeah. be better. Yeah, promos would be amazing. Um, Now, I'm curious what those seven new cards are, so we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, uh, I'm curious about when that pot reprint bought to drop because it hasn't been shown yet. So uh, you know, it's it's not prosperity. That, yeah, it's not something that we haven't seen. Like they just changed IDP of all cards to warning point. Like, yeah, in the uh, yeah, I was actually about to, I was actually get into that. The uh, we had the full contents of the o- of the TCG Albaz Strike Structure deck. It's the exact same as the OCG one. All they changed was Ice Dragon's Prison to Warning Point, as Gigiwajo just said. Um, so it's got the Pot of Extravagance. It's got the uh, Ghost Ogre, which is cool. The Effect Veiler, which is cool. It's got a lot of cool stuff in it. Yeah, but they obviously missed the mark on a ton of cards that should have been in here. Oh, yeah. Pot of Prosperity and Lightning Storm would have been amazing in there. Yeah, I mean... Especially Lightning Storm, because that's already been in a structure deck over in the OCG. Yeah, so Lightning Storm was in the Cyberdark structure deck in the OCG, and... I think we got... What did we get instead of that? I think we got, like, heavy... I think we got, like, uh, Regeki or something. I think it was Regeki. It might have been Harpy's Feather... No, that was in the one before. Yeah, Yeah, that was was in the... Yeah. Yeah, so... Lightning Storm would have been really nice. It's that card's been out for two years and there's still 70 bucks. It's only got one reprint. Um, Ash Blossom. That card can never have enough reprints. Yep. You know? Uh, yep. They, they would have to like reprint it as a th- Like, in order for it to be too many, is that they'd have to like start printing it literally every single structure deck. You just get one. They should. Like MST back in the day. That literally should be what happens with Ash Blossom at this point. 
Yes, I know people are worried about the value of their cards, but Ash Blossom is a card like MST where it's just ubiquitous in the game now. You kind of need it to play. Yeah. yeah. Moving right along, we got two new cards. Um, I'm going to start with the one that's terrible that no one's really going to care about. It's called Stray Moki Moki. Uh, fairy effect, light level one, 300 attack, 100 defense. While this card is on the field or in, or in grave, it is a normal monster. And its name becomes Moki Moki. Uh, two, you can discard this card, add a Moki Moki card from your deck to your hand, except Stray Moki Moki. It's for Moki Mokis. Goated. Yeah, uh, and then the other card that people actually care about... Quirked up Moki Moki. Wait, you think people don't sauce. care about Moki Moki? <laughs> Quirked up Moki Moki goaded on the sauce. Apparently. It's very red-pilled. Apparently. I'm saying all the MBT things. Am I doing it right? I hope so. I don't know. I'm a dad. I don't know how to do any of these things. Is that is that what them children be saying nowadays on, on, on the Twitchers? Something like that. Anyway, uh, new uh, another new card that people actually care about. Artemis Slay. Normal spell. Your opponent cannot activate monster effects in response to the activation of this card. Uh, send a monster from your extract to the graveyard, then target a monster your opponent controls with the same monster card type, Fusion, Synchro, Exceeds, Pendulum, or Link. Return that monster to the deck. That That's pretty good. Um, particularly, like, if you... You could send, like, a... You could pitch, like, a Wind Pegasus and send a Baron back. True. Or a Chi Zhao. Um, your opponent's got... You could pitch Entis to dis to send Macaba back. Yeah, Macaba or even DPE. Oh, that's See, true. And then there, also get a pop. There's a lot of very good application behind this card. Um, I'm personally eyeballing it for going second striker. Um, whenever you're trying to crack a board and simplify the game state, you have to think about like grave advantage versus hand advantage and just card advantage in general and like what they have because decks like Drytron gain a second hand from their grave, right? Um, so you can use a card like that to go ahead and um, send Omega, and then you can deal with a Synchro, like a Baron, a Savage, like what's on the board, and then you can use the Omega to then deal with something that's also in the graveyard too. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely got some wonderful applications, and uh, I'm looking forward to see how it's used going forward. So. Uh, so another application that I just that I just thought of just now actually. Um, was again Dragoon DPE a fusion? It's an app cologne. <laughs> Effective app cologne grabs Gizm. Uh, your your Shadal package is online while also removing a threat. Yeah, that's true. So, which is which is disgusting. I don't know which is better getting the Shadal engine online or just getting a pop. Right, right. Um, so I did want to, before we get into the actual meta discussion, yeah, there is something that I want to discuss now while we have just a moment on the podcast. Um, while we have all of your attention and we're in the meat of everything, I do want to make an announcement. This is actually the last episode of the podcast. Um, it's something that we've been talking about for a while. It's something we've been discussing for a while. And it is something that we don't say lightly. Um, it's not something that we uh, want to happen necessarily. But life is really busy. And at the end of the day... 
you really just kind of have to sometimes take stock of everything going on in your life and really um and really figure out where you need to like prioritize your time and we put a lot of time into this podcast it's something we love a lot but for now we think it's best to take a break so um thank you for all your love and support over the last year but we're gonna go ahead and finish out this episode but i i couldn't really wait any longer we were gonna wait till the end of the episode but i i I just i couldn't wait any longer so um this is a terrible april holes joke dude i said roll with it (laughs) we're supposed to get to the end of the episode no, I was going to carry it. I was going to let it hang there in the air for the next 45 minutes. No, it's it's terrible. I'm not doing that. That's sitting there laughing awful. so hard you couldn't breathe. Oh, no, no, I could breathe. That was me going, oh, my God, this is this is terrible. Oh. I really can't believe you're doing this. Well, you know, if you don't let it sink in for a moment, it doesn't have the same comedic effect. Come on, man. I mean, I did give it a solid three seconds of silence. That was supposed to be for the audience to gasp, not you to give it away. Come on, man. Moving <sighs> on. All right. Well, happy April Fools, by the way, everybody. Since Caleb Brewing the joke, Caleb. Like I didn't even realize it was April Fools tomorrow. Well, I didn't realize it either until just now. Yeah, when I came up with that. So, all right. Well, before we get on into the meta discussion i actually am going to go ahead and do our, our quick 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 mid-roll ad read and then we'll go ahead and spend the last solid 45 minutes talking about meta so Woo. of course we want to thank our sponsor etb games in alexandria louisiana etb is our locals and every month they do the etb battle city tournament we usually can post links and stuff like that to that tournament and post dates in the descriptions of our videos I don't know exactly when the April one is yet. We're a lot of regionals and stuff going on, so we're going to have to plan around that. But as soon as we know, we'll let you know. Also, it is a one-stop shop to get all of your singles and sealed product, as well as all of your accessories for all the card games that you love. So it's got everything you need for Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Digimon, and all of those games. As well, it's got sleeves, deck boxes, binders, and play mats, whatever you need. As well as figurines, both painted and unpainted, as well as the paint, if you want to do that yourself. Books, uh, tabletop mats, everything you need for tabletop gaming. And a great place to hang out and play video games. So if you're interested in ETB games, be sure to check them out. The link is in the description description down below and let's get back on into the episode so i want to take a minute to talk about the meta and i know that we haven't really done a full meta breakdown in quite a while but i think that this is a really appropriate time to do it especially considering that we're going to a regional like as of when this episode airs tomorrow correct and the day after tomorrow correct and And then then ycs the next week not five days later we're leaving the next weekend uh yeah so let's see last weekend we went to the case tournament we drove four and a half hours each way for that then we're gonna wake up at 4 a.m on saturday morning so tomorrow morning drive four and a half hours back to the same shop we're gonna drive another three hours after that regional to get to the next city we're gonna spend the night wake up go to another regional and then drive four and a half hours home so it is it is going to be a heck of a run. Um, and then the things we do for this car for a child's card game on motorcycles, honestly. And then next weekend, we're leaving on Thursday to go to Pasadena. We're driving 13 hours each way for that. So 
it's gonna be awesome actually yeah no we, it's i'm actually really looking forward to the road trip to be honest oh, yeah. with you oh yeah like like not just the road trip just actually getting there playing all of it it's yeah we sat it, originally it sounds it does sound like you know we're dreading it but no, no no we're actually really excited yeah for sure um and by the way all of this is thanks to you guys so like huge huge thank you to the audience for like making our dreams possible and making this possible uh we literally could not be doing this without you guys um but i want to talk a little bit about the decks that we plan on seeing heading into these events i want to talk for a little bit about the maybe the texts the things that we are playing that we could see other people playing at the event uh maybe meta calls whatever we think i want to make basically predictions for these events both the regionals and the ycs because like i said um on the last episode this is actually true this is not a joke we are taking next week off there will be no episodes next week except for the patreon episode we're still gonna put that out because i'm sorry but we can record those in advance yeah yeah so like not only that we're gonna get back monday like 1 a.m monday morning and then i have work in like six hours and then i work usually like 10 to 12 hours a day so it's gonna be like a nightmare yeah and then plus you know, travel yeah and so yeah sorry to cut you keep cutting you off Caleb. yeah no no it, yeah that's no, cool and i was yeah because then like at best we would have because then i've got all the stuff i gotta do that day and then at best we'd be recording super late not i'd be up late editing to hopefully get it on tuesday i'm just i'm just gonna be still exhausted from the weekend right yeah so and then we're leaving uh like what was it thursday afternoon like thursday evening when you get home from work uh yes so we're which, driving straight through the night yeah which is where we normally record so can't record then either yeah so just with everything going on it makes it we just really don't just don't have the time yeah. to record this week but we're like i said this is episode 99 and the next episode will be 100 so we're oh, yeah. gonna make it extra special for everybody oh yeah oh yeah it'll, it'll be the uh that'll come out the tuesday after the ycs yeah okay we spent five minutes rambling yep um so i'll start with you gary you are the guest of honor and you haven't talked in like 10 minutes because we've been rambling um i would like if possible if it's something that you can do off the top of your head because we didn't prep it all for this uh I would really love to hear your opinion on the top decks of this format. Maybe the top, like, just say like four to five decks in no particular order, just in general. I think that the best deck of the format right now, it was Dragon Link, and now it's slowly becoming Prank Kid again, which I am just not a fan of because I really hate that deck with the passion. It's just like, has way too much gas. You can just normal summon into the uh, Meow and then chain block with the Fateful. Uh, which is a huge issue and gives that deck so much power, um, even though they lost a lot of utility spots. Um, so I'd say that Prank is probably like the best. Then there's Dragon Link that I still think is literally just so insane because they can mill nine cards and essentially get to any hand drop they want to. And they can also just play Token Collector because they can mill into it, right? Um, yeah. The other thing, too, is the best version of base, I think, is the Brave Tenny variant. Because um, essentially the Brave Ten, uh, Tenny variant, which is 40 cards, is essentially just a base, just more consistent. They're basically the same deck. Um, so I think that uh, base definitely rates lower than the Brave Tenny deck. Uh, I think that one's really strong. Um, other than that, I think that in commonality, I think that you could say that Flu got a lot better. I don't think it's one of the best decks, but it's definitely there. Um, where you only played against like one a tournament, now you're gonna play against like two or three a tournament, which is just 
insane. My like my thought process with a uh, event going on this weekend is going to be I'm probably going to play against a lot of Sword Soul and a lot of Flu, um, yeah. which is unfortunate because you know you have to recognize meta trends and build for that and change your main deck around, which is something that I did immensely because um, I just realized that there's other cards that actually just win those matchups and. Um, I wouldn't say that anything else off the top of my head. Uh, maybe the fourth slot would be like Cyrus Eldritch. Um, that deck is just very consistent at what it does. Um, and then for this fifth slot, uh, there, there's not really one in particular that just like jumps out at me like, oh, you have to be playing this deck or else you're just going to lose, right? Um, so I think like those top four for now is fine. Um, not a huge fan of the meta currently. Not going to lie about that. But, it, I mean, it is what it is. And at that point, when you are either losing to the meta decks or you realize that they're really strong, you really just have to alter your main deck um, or even just pick up a new deck entirely to be able to counter decks like that. Right, yeah. Um, it's funny, as the more we get into this format, the more I actually find myself enjoying it. Um, earlier in the format, I was really hating this format a lot. Uh, I was very down on it with scythe lock and things like that and i feel like just like the more i play it the happier i am i, I feel like i'm just seeing scythe lock less or when i see it i just happen to like literally have the outs for it and uh you know what that, that, that makes things easier so yeah yeah i think people have just kind of figured out how to play around scythe because like because as i said in the previous episode that last 3v3 i was you know i'm running you know i'm doing pk stuff Scythe logging people only stuck Scythe twice. One of the times just straight up didn't matter. Yeah. yeah so like the only decks you're actually getting Scythe locked against right now is Cyrus Elvish and PK. Like even based, like they play it, but like they don't Scythe lock you typically. Um, they usually go for the bigger board, which is like Harold, Savage, and Baron. So right. the Scythe lock actually just fell out of the format pretty hard. The only thing that I would say that actually is just like relevant right now is when people are sideboarding Scythe Sanctum. Um, or a way to scythe, but other than that, I don't like, exactly expect it to be like the biggest thing in the um, the event at that point. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I was um, even as I find myself prepping for this uh, weekend, I'm like, yeah, scythe lock like exists, sure, but and it sucks if it happens, but. But here I am playing twins instead of cosmics, you know? So. But I think that if I had to give my top five decks in no particular order, it's probably somewhere along the lines of based, sword soul, PK, dragon link, and in my opinion, cyber cell um don't get me wrong the prank kids deck is really good it's really good it really is but i mean so is thunder uh yeah the, the both those decks are great decks but something about them just doesn't feel quite as like powerful as what a, a lot of the other decks are doing right now am i crazy for thinking that so like i wouldn't compare prank to flu at all and i also think that prank just has the most gas because it's all one card starters and any deck that can just play one card starter plus brave engine and hand traps like there's not a whole lot of coming back from it the only thing that really is against prank kid right now is the fact that like 
if they don't play properly and recycle their Meow Mew, they're in a really tough spot. Yeah. I think that... I think that the Pranks deck has maybe a few more things that... So, okay, so let, let's talk about each of these decks kind of one at a time. And let's kind of go through what we think would be a good counter. Because I, I think that we can agree that these are basically... Even if we say the six or seven best decks in the room at any given event, right? Um, that's still a lot of diversity and a lot of things that we can expect. But at the same time, there's a certain level of understanding that we can gain from all of those and help t and work towards tailoring our main and side decks towards the meta that we anticipate, right? So I would say that at any given event, of those decks, the most prevalent ones are probably going to be Luanderese and Prank Kids because of their availability. Luanderese, if you look at it, is overwhelmingly, like over, not overwhelmingly, but um, mostly it's a fairly cheap deck, right? I think the only expensive card in the entire deck that I can think of off the top of my head is literally the Rise of the Mega Monarch. Yeah, so you need a Rise that was just like 70 or 80. And, and then, then I think the M-Pen is 20 to 30. Like six bucks. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It's been a while since I've looked. is really cheap. It's been a long while since I've looked. Yeah. M-Pens um, are cheap. It's literally just Rise that's expensive. And I think the Quick Plays are about 14 bucks. And the Magnificent Map is like six or seven bucks. So. All in all, you're probably looking at maybe $300. Two. I mean... I mean, 300 if you decide to, you know. Well, I mean, once you get, like, indices and punishments, if you want to run that package yeah. and stuff like that. But, like, realistically, you can build the whole deck for 200 which sounds like a lot, I know. But when you compare it to a lot of the other decks in the meta right now, it's really not that crazy. Well, um, listen, listen. One card out of PK is, like, $100. What card is that? Destroy Phoenix Enforcer. Oh, well, yeah. But really, when you look at Flu, it's that's kind of what makes the deck so cheap is that it's not an extra deck heavy and reliant deck. You know, whereas when you look at Based or Sword Soul or Dragon Link, you know, your extra deck might be, you know, several hundred dollars alone by the time you're adding in a hockey firebrax and a borrowed savage and things like that uh, destroy phoenix and force if you're on that um it just gets expensive yeah so when i'm playing against fluanderies there's a couple of things that i'm really looking to do first i really want to get an artifact lancia online i think that lancia is far and away the best card versus that deck. It shuts off their recycling power and it helps out a ton. Um, and if I'm going second specifically, uh, I mean, obviously it's good going first too, but if I'm going second, I really, really like uh, things like something like Twin Twisters because if you're in the standby phase, then you can use Twin to pop their field spell and one of their set cards. Hopefully you get the Dreaming Town and that can uh, help you play into their board much 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 easier um what do you think gary 
When I'm playing against Fluenders, uh, there's quite a few things in my head that I'm thinking about, and I this format I kind of like refuse to play Lancia, honestly. Um, I think Lancia is really solid against things like Dragon Link specifically on their follow up. Um, because if you like, if they have a simplified game state, but like a ton in their graveyard, right? And you land to them, like they just don't play the game. Uh, but if you're in a situation where you're playing against like Fluanderies, I just have like specific cards on my side that I'd rather put in over those. And I feel like Lancia just doesn't hit enough right now. Like where I focus more on intricate spots to just nail a deck. And that's where like my hand trap series come out from, right? Uh, and I feel like those specific interactions versus blanket effects are so much more impactful because it can cut people off in a very weird position where they might not have been stopped before. Uh, whereas, like, if you Lancia, like, a D-Link player, for example, they can still end on, like, Seal Savage. It just, I mean, if they don't open up, like, their bench cards, they opened up to Sir Extenders, like, which they can because it's a, um, a fishbowl deck, right? And it's yeah. just something where they don't need a whole lot just to do a lot. They also play several hand traps and they can just end seals hand trap and they won't die that turn. Um, so like for me, I don't really love the uh, the Lancia. When I think of decks like Fluanderies, um, looking at my main deck right now, I have Bell, Ogre, uh, Imperm Ash in my main deck. And I just know that those hand traps specifically answer that like really nice. On my sideboard, I'm always siding in Twins and Drolls. The only thing that sucks against that is that if you're in the situation where they have D Shifter and you can't use Valor, Ogre, or Droll because they all have to go to Grave. And yeah. so that's pretty terrible. But I feel like at that point, like if they D Shifter you, there's a lot of decks that just auto lose to that regardless. Um, so I actually went around the strat. I had sent you my build actually. Um, I'm leaning more toward like Mystic Miner now for game ones. And uh, that's even like against Fluanderies, like you can Mystic Mind them. And as long as you have the Cosmic for their unexplored wins, they literally cannot outmine. Like it's just a free win at that point. It's like way worse than Zombie World. Like right, they just right. cannot play the game. Yeah, I think that it's, I think that there's a lot of things that hurt Flu, but you just kind of have to be aware if you're not on some of the blanket effects like Droll and Lancia, which both hurt the deck. You really have to be aware of what you're hitting, right? So, for example, if I have Ghost Ogre, then I'm activating it when they activate the effect of the field spell on field, right? Or, honestly, if they, if I have Ash and they have any of their if they normal summon any of their birds and they don't chain block it, I'm ashing it instantly because a lot of times if you ash them, if they don't have book of moon or the quick play, a lot of times it ends their turn. I had that happen at the case tournament over the weekend, which granted he had a less than stellar hand, but still. So Ash doesn't even care about book of moon or advent. It's imperm. Um, you're because right. you're absolutely right. that's the reason why I like Bell versus Fluanderies is you're not specifically siding in Bell or playing Bell to beat them, but if you're able to Bell their Stree, then they can't dodge with Advent or Book of Moon, which is really impactful because then you force them to have the map, and if they don't, they just lose. Right. Uh, if you have Imperm though or Valor, you should be waiting for the Empen because a lot of decks only play one now. Like that's like the new meta, right? Is just playing the one Empen. 
And yeah. so it puts them in a really weird position. So if you imperm their empen, they don't want to get rid of their one on boss monster in their deck just to get a dream town, just to try to resummon an empen. Because at that point, it's just kind of like useless to do that, right? Like the only thing you're gaining from it is the potential to like book their board, which I guess is fine, but you're also losing like your number one hitter. So a lot of times if you imperm that, you're forcing them to say like, okay, either you need the map or the dream town, or you're just going to let your impen get impermed because you're not book mooning it because then you would lose it for two turns and you're not doing that. So if you imperm like the Eglin and they have like the Advent or book, then you're just wasting an like, interaction with them. But if you wait for the Empen, like the actual one that you want to hit, then at that point, they're just not able to do a whole lot. Like they have to just pass in the Empen. Plus they don't get the summon to go to the Wind Barrier. So the only thing you actually right. have to deal with is an Empen and no Dreaming Town. Yeah, that's a really good point. It definitely is. Um, I think that part of the blanket effects discussion can also be broken down into deck choice. I feel like that's a fair assessment to make because if I'm playing a deck like Striker or Eldlich, for example, I don't really want the turn ending blanket effects quite as much as I would want something where I can hit something a little bit more specifically because a to me, a turn ending card doesn't do a lot when you're not necessarily going to go for broke the, at the end of on your next turn. You know what I mean? Is that I? I mean, I feel like you think that's so, a fair I get the logic where I talk to some people and they're like, "I don't want to play cards like Droll and Striker because you can't OTK the next turn." But like, here's the thing about that, right? Like, you want to get the game state just simplified ASAP. And cards like Droll is not even the fact that you're playing it just to like stun your opponent. You're playing it for the like the sheer fact. That if I'm playing against like Fluanderies, I just know that they have the ability to outgas me very fast. And they have a lot of things that chain block and dodge, which is terrifying to a deck like mine, right? Because like all right. I do is target. Uh, so at that point, I have to be really smart and just say like, okay, like I know that they have things that can really get around me. So I need to have these blanket effects that really do allow me to just shut them down the entire turn. Um, even going in game two and three, I'm siding in like there can be only one. Um, that's a card I've actually debated throwing back in my sideboard. And uh, even if I'm going second against that deck, I'm still siding it in because the second it hits the board, they can't out it. That's another thing they really can't do. So as long as they have a wing beast on the board, they can't even attempt to tribute with the win. Um, yeah, yeah. So, as it, it, someone who lost multiple games to Tikabu over the weekend, please don't do that. It's so good. And I think that's another card that people underestimate right now. Because everyone's like, oh, let's not play Floodgates. Let's not play Floodgates. That's a horrible idea. But you got to think about it. Like, as long as you have, like, the out for the Draco back, like, people could still play Eldritch right now with triple skill drain as long as they had the conch ready to go on the token when they activate Draco back. Because other than that, like, if you play against based and like you clear their draco back and you watch it go to the graveyard if you mine them after that they don't have an out for your your mystic mind like they they don't so like there's right. so many decks right now that like they don't have the out so if you have cards like there can be only one you just auto win those games um and that's something else where you can kind of determine that as more of a blanket effect uh that's more of a floodgate rather than a hand trap but I, to me it still falls under like a similar category uh because it still stuns the game state but it's one of those things, too, where I really do like the blanket effects, but I feel like certain ones are just not as great right now. 
Uh, I think Droll's great. I don't really like Lantia. And then, of course, if you can play D-Shifter, you're going to play it. But there's only one deck, so sadly, it's not going to get banned or like hit on the ban list in any way, shape, or form. Um, because okay. it's kind of like Harpy's Featherstorm, right? Like That card is insane, but it's only insane in a vacuum because there's right. not a whole lot of decks that can actually use it. And like once that deck is gone, we're probably not going to see another deck that can use that for a long time. So it's kind of an unfortunate situation, but like decks like that get rewarded by those power cards too. I have to ask, you mentioned Tikaboo being a floodgate. And I think we could agree that Droll and Lancia are also more or less floodgates, right? Are you talking about Opelousa? Is Opelousa a floodgate? No, it is not. Thank you. It's, okay, it's say less, say no more. It's Thank literally you. a monster negate on the board. Like, that is not a floodgate. Okay, that's all I needed to hear, bud. We're still friends. Good to know. Yeah, like, like I've been really thinking about that, actually, real quick. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh -huh. Don't tell me the brain worms got to you, too. No, 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 no. In order for Appaloosa to be a floodgate, okay. its effect would be it that your opponent's monsters cannot activate their effects. Correct. As long as yeah. you stay on the field. That's like Empen. Like, Empen's a floodgate. Appaloosa is not. Like, they're, they're very strict differences, and Opelousa is not a floodgate. There was actually people for a long time that wanted Opelousa banned, and I thought it was insane. But it's it just is. Like, it's just I mean, like. Don't get me wrong. I still know some people that want Opelousa banned. Don't get me wrong. She's a good card. So, okay, I'm going to give you this argument and just like be done with it, right? Like, drop the mic and walk away. <laughs> Saryuya. What about Saryuya? Sorry, you turbo everything. Do you remember when everyone was just like, this card is the end of Yu-Gi-Oh! It needs to get banned. This is insane. Like, why do you just draw so many cards? You can loop your whole deck. Like, this is insane. You can keep really some. remember that because we were not playing the game at the time. Gotcha. We don't, so, we don't even know what Saryuja does. So, I, I exactly. I exactly. You don't know what it does. Saryuja Skulldred. So, this was a card that allows you to draw four and put back three. And they kept looping it in the Crusadia Dragon deck. And they would summon three, and every single time you summon, you can like summon one from your hand and then keep drawing. Uh -huh. And everyone's just like, This is the end of Yu-Gi-Oh! This card is absolutely broken, it needs E-Ban. And like you don't even know what the card does because nobody cares about that card anymore. Like that's kind of crazy to think about. The only nuts. reason why I know what that card does is because back when I first got in the game, that was the first link four I got access to because it was a dollar. Wow. Wow, just wow. And then later I got a good one like Unchained Abomination. Of course. That that card's actually fun, okay? Okay, See, so I know all the listeners are gonna know what I'm talking about there too. And they were like, wow, yeah, that card's like who even heard of that card lately? Like it, it's so out of the meta and out of the way. Like <laughs> it's just crazy how fast people are like up in arms about a card when it comes out, and then it's good for like a format and it's gone. Right. Yeah, so that's great. I appreciate you not having the brain worms. Thank you. I like that. Um, so we've talked for extensively about Fluanderies. Let's talk a little bit about Prank Kids. Um, and I promise I'm not just targeting Fluanderies and Prank Kids because they're the matchups I'm least familiar with and need help going into the regionals. So... <laughs> <laughs> Man, calling yourself out like that. I, I said it's not. I promise it's not. I, I, I pretty said... I said pretty clearly that that's not what this is, even though I would love to know, Gary, where, where should I stop prank kids? So first of all, just so everyone's aware and you can kind of put it out there, what deck are you playing for the regional? It matters for me giving advice. Sorts will tenye. Okay. So do you also like my current hand trap lineup? 
it so it like it matters what deck you're playing as to what text you use to out a deck because like i can't tell um like a pk player to be like okay you should play lancia like that would just not be smart right so it really varies on how you go about um these certain decks but yeah, i'm sorry to be quiet because he's a pk player and he's playing lancia continue so <laughs> you have a better opportunity when you're playing in swords uh when you're playing swords Tenny against things like prank kid uh, because you don't really care about the destruction effect as, like, for say, I would, right? With, like, Burner or whatnot. Right. And uh, it's better off, too, if you have the ability to play things like Bell, uh, because you do get the ability to stop things like the Bow Wow, like the Doodle Doo, which can be very impactful because people do tend to put the ones that they need in the grave and, like, rely on adding it back. Um, or what they'll do is they'll put the pranks in grave and then they will attempt to add that back, which is also very impactful if you can stop that because at that point they don't have a way to recycle the Meow Mew. And if they can't recycle Meow Mew, like they literally have to have double kid fusion. So yeah. it, after turn one, if they don't have Meow Mew, their game and their grind just gets so rough for them. So they have to be really smart in how they are able to hold their uh, advantage. And so... Um, I would focus harder in that matchup on cards like your Cheng Ying. Um, that card's insane, especially against that matchup, um, just because you have the ability to just banish uh, and not have to worry about anything um, too much. The Pranks is a card that I would definitely consider just trying to out ASAP because that's their grind game, A, and that's usually how they combo too, is they'll go for the fourth summon um, just to go ahead and use that pranks to discard a card and then summon a token so they guarantee themselves the draw and the shuffle back. Right. Um, and that's where a lot of people are using cards like Token Collector against Prank Kid, not only for the Brave token, but they're also using it against the Pranks token. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another reason why I'm saying like your build, it definitely matters on like what you're playing. Um, so it, like even against like prank kids who, um, I'm a big fan of droplet, uh, because that's another one too, where their end boards currently are like a DP bow wow kid and then set pandemonium and then maybe uh, Griffin. an issue with droplet. The issue being I am poor. Yeah. Well, just for anyone listening to, um, droplet's insane against that deck. It literally just shuts it all down because they don't even have the window typically. Because like they'll wait on their bow while they won't just shotgun and stand by phase. So they just drop it immediately and then it's just shut down. You, you can actually pop their cards from there. Uh, but like Bell is really solid against that matchup. Ash kind of lackluster, not insane. I still like it though against the Fusion Destiny in that matchup because usually you're not able to Ash the kid. But if you can, that means they didn't open up their Brave Engine or even if you have the ability to uh, Ash or Bell their Enchantress, still very solid. Um, having the Ogre in your main deck, it doesn't really do a ton against that deck, but you still have the ability to hit the Pranks, which is nice. And then always just imperming like the Doodle do as well. Um, I'm looking, I, I promise. I do like the ability in that deck too. Um, you have cards like Shahana. Um, big fan of that card in that matchup too, because if you have if you go so like naughty. Vashuda and the monk, then you can like Vashuda target like their DP. They go like chain DP. Um, they blow up like your monk. You chain the Shahana, 
uh, like on the new chain and then you're able to pop another card like it, it's just so nice to be able to have the interaction against that deck um siding in your twins making sure that you're hitting the pandemonium in the standby phase um there's a lot of ways to really shut that deck down but it, it is unfortunate though when they're able to go Adventures. So there's really not a whole lot to say about Prank Kid. Um, it's basically the same deck that we've always seen, right? They just have like an extra negate on there now, um, which is still unfortunate. But the deck itself is another deck that, again, I bring this up a lot. I know it's a little degenerate, but like that's another deck that's very mineable. Um, yeah. As long as you get rid of the Draco back and like they can keep looping their pranks. But if you have like Ogre or like another back route or what have you, they just can't out the mine. Um, so it's, it's, we it's do what pretty you gotta nice. do, you know? Yeah. So, um, let's talk for a minute about base. Oh, right. Base is another, base to me is a very interesting deck to play against, in particular because a lot of times, to me at least, it feels so non linear to play against that whenever I'm playing against it, it turns into this awkward situation of, yeah, I've got hand traps, but am I hitting the right thing, right? So, you know, let's say that they're going to summon a, a red rose and they synchro summon, and I think when they synchro summon with it, it triggers to summon a rocks rose, something along those lines. Yep. So when would be, with that deck being so non-linear and them having so many different ways to play around things and play into things, how do you know where to hand trap that deck? Is it just based off of their sequencing or is there something more to it than that? So base is going to be able to usually get to Baron regardless, which is always kind of annoying because at that point you literally need two hand traps to beat that deck. Um, right. Their end board doesn't ever go for Scythe is typically the Herald, the Savage, the Baron. That's why Droplet's horrible in that matchup because you can't Droplet under Herald. Um, right. You can't like send things from your hand. Like you can activate them on your field and send them, but because it's only from hand or deck, but uh, you have to like waste so many resources. And then like droplets even bad against that matchup too, because you have to negate three things and drop it's your fourth card, and then you have two in hand. Like it's just it's a bad time. Um, so like if you're ever against that matchup, it, it's one of those things too where you got to realize that two hand traps has got to be the wave. Um, or if you have like a deck, even like mine, I bring it up a lot because I play striker nonstop. You just need like a hand trap and like a chalice or what have you, um, just to be able to, to stop some of the negation on the next turn, right? Um, so the other thing though against based is that they're gonna go like their Ashuna, summon Red Rose, go into Baron, um, the uh, Basil Rose shoot, and then the um, the desk bot are both very good bell targets. It prompts the bear negate almost immediately. Uh, right. A lot of people don't know that you can bell the barrel, uh, the basil rose shoot. That's also just really cool. Uh, but the desk bot is usually what I go for just because it's such an impactful spot to be able to stop them. They usually can't keep playing through that because they need all the extra pops and whatnot. Uh, so that's always a good hit. Um, if you have Ash and you want to bait the first negate and like trade with the Baron, you just Ash the Red Rose. Um, then if you have Imperm, honestly, like if you already see things going a little downhill, that's something where I would just like save the Imperm for my turn, right? 
uh, and just try to get as much of the negation off as possible. But one thing that I definitely don't recommend doing is hitting souls with anything. Um, it's usually more of a bait than anything. Like, yes, it's a draw to right. but man, there's just better things to negate than souls. I see people doing that all the time. They just instantly lose because of it, where they could have literally just ashed like a fusion destiny and had so much better results, right? Because at that point, if you're going against a DPE, like what was their draw to really drawing them into other than like a fusion destiny that you just could have ashed, right? So right. try to avoid that. Don't do that, please. Um, or if you have like Imperm, you can just save it for like Anaconda because that's another thing where if they get into a simplified game state, they're just going to go Anaconda because they can. Uh, yeah. Like these are the things that you got to think about when you're playing against a big combo deck like that. Like even if you don't know what it's doing, just you have to think about like the generic cards in the format that they can go into, like Anaconda, Access Code. Like, okay, they, if they have four cards left in their extra deck, you haven't seen Access Code yet, you know it's there. They have like seven or eight cards in their extra, uh, extra deck still. I'm like, okay, they still probably have like an Anaconda. Um, they're probably playing like more generic cards. They might have a Phoenix and then they might have a Dark. What attributes are they using? Like these are the things where I'll actually like count my opponent's extra deck and think about like what's left. And like, you have to make those reads um, before you start thinking about like where the hand trap as well. Because for example, I was playing against D to D the other day, right? And it was one of my first times playing against a new support. And this was like, I don't know, a month or two ago. And they activated a scale effect to add a monster back from their extra to their hand. I think it was Savin Thomas. And the monster itself said if it's Pendulum Summon, they get like an effect. And that effect would have been really insane. Because I'm pretty sure that one was to like add back a dark contract from their grave. And I was like, well, if they add back this dark contract, I'm pretty sure I lose. Because they can get into a lot of extension and that's not very good. And then I had to really like look at the situation and then I realized that they didn't have that much in the extra deck and they already used uh, both little Genghis and the one high Genghis. So I was just like, there's nothing that that card actually does and they're just trying to bait a hand trap. So I just let it go. And then next card they activated, I hand trapped it and they lost. And that's because you have to be able to make those reads and know the ratios of people play. Because if you don't, then you're just going to hand trap something that you just really never needed to do and it was just bait all along. Um, yeah, definitely. So, and that just comes with time and play. So that brings up an interesting point, which is how important it can be to know not only things like your opponents. Um, a good example is every time I sit down at a table, I always ask my opponent how many cards they're running in their deck, right? Because if they sit down and they say, oh, I'm running 60 cards, well, it can be a bit of a dead giveaway not necessarily for sure but a lot of times it's a dead giveaway or if they're running like they'll be like oh like 46 or 45 and it's like okay listen i know that you're probably not playing control at that point because control is so centered around 40 it's centered around card advantage drawing optimally things like that whereas a lot of times if they're playing 46 48 50 60 that's when you're really looking at their running numbers, trying to figure out combos and the stuff like that. So uh, how many cards your opponent has in deck is valuable information, but how many cards your opponent has in extra deck is something that's always public knowledge. And a lot of times when they're getting really deep into their combos is really, really good information to have. Yeah. It's also just coming from looking at deck profiles like a lot. Like I, scout the internet to deck profiles like every day 
and uh, just kind of see what other people are doing. And that's how I stay up to date in the meta. And that's how I like notice trends and like different cards coming in and out of deck, uh, in and out of decks. And I think that's really important. And that's something that a lot of people just don't have time to sit there and do right and just like research all this. But it is really important to when you can just look at your opponent's extra deck and be like, huh, you have six cards? And you can just automatically tell them out loud, be like, this is probably what these cards are. Um, yeah. And it's something where it'll throw people off so hard because they're like, how do you know that? And you're like, I know how, what the deck typically plays, right? Like, if you only use one break sword, I'm assuming that you have another break sword in there. I don't see a levier here yet. I'm sure you have a levier. Right. Um, people only play one Zeus. There's no way that you can Zeus me here. Like, if I see them attacking with, like, I don't know, like a levier, and I'm like, oh, this is bad bait because they have a Zeus in their grave. I know you don't have another one. Um, you're just trying to get me to flip an anchor. So, like, right, right. there's a lot of knowledge that you can gain off of that that I don't think that a lot of people value um, as of yet. And they might not even know that. Like, that's just something that from me having years of playing that I just know to do. Um, also, when it comes to deck count, like, if it's anything over 50, you just assume that it's a pile deck. Um, right. There is, like, the 60-card Dragon Link deck that's running around, too. So, like, that's also a variance in there that you have to be aware of. Um, if it's 45, 46, I'm assuming PK. Uh, anything at 42, I'm assuming that they're running like one or two bricks and they're probably playing some kind of DPE engine. And then anything at like 40 cards, probably going to side with you on that and just assume that it's going to be like some kind of control-based deck. Or just like your typical 40 card, like Sword Soul um, mashup synchro plays, right? Right, uh, right. So... It, it really is a big deal to kind of track public knowledge and just kind of keep that fresh in your head. Um, also, like if you see your opponent add something to their hand, like you have to like make them just about note. to say that um, it's, it's really important. Cause like I see people all the time that just throw and they're like playing around like a Nibiru and they go for like some damage and then they pass. And I'm like, you knew their whole hand, like after they were done, and they'd be like, how do you figure? And then I'd look at his opponent. And again, this is like after they're done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would be like, um, cloak, boots, fog blade. And he'd be like, yup. And I would just look at my friend and be like, you could have just killed. Like, you played passively around a Nibiru. And you didn't even have to. It's like, you knew their whole hand. And that, that's something where, again, comes with time. But you really also, have to just like note that in your head. If you know in your head that they have like cloak, gloves, fog blade, just like you just said, and all of a sudden they have cloak, gloves, fog blade, water enchantress, something's wrong there. Okay. In light of recent videos coming to light, <laughs> watch it when your opponent is doing stuff. Honestly. Oh, no, no, no. That was an effect veiler. Yeah. No, watch it, it was when a water veiler. No, no, it was it was Valor. Was it? I it was I'm almost positive it was Water Enchantress. It was Valor, like 100. Like you got you got to watch out for them Valors, man. Got to watch out for them surprise Va Valors coming coming in from the top rope. Honestly, dude, just <laughs> listen to when your opponent's doing things. Don't just zone out and go into La La Land. Like pay attention, right? Like like watch them keep mental notes of what is happening don't just passively sit there going yeah 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 it makes a difference you know i can't stress that enough 
Yeah, so, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, like, can't believe people are still doing that, wild. but, you know, it's it's, no. it's insane. Like, please don't do that. Like, that, that was just, like, so cringe. But, I'm uh, just going to put this out there one time. It's I, <laughs> I only need to say it one time. Don't cheat, especially at Yu-Gi-Oh! events. Especially I'm so when, serious. Ex double especially when you're on camera. Yeah, like, you already shouldn't be cheating, but this dude was live on stream. Come on, man. Come on, man. Like, okay, okay. It's like, here's the thing. Is it worth it? No. That's the question you need to ask yourself. This dude is not playing in any events run by this TO for a while. And if I had to guess, his name will probably end up on the Konami band player database for probably two years at least it's not worth it if you actually like playing this game and you want to play for more than the next tournament don't do it it's just not worth it like maybe i'm looking at it as somebody who like does a lot more than just play the game like i'm a content creator like i have right we have a whole community built but like it's just not worth it you know, that's just my two cents on it. But yeah, I, I might be preaching to the choir here. Obviously, most most everybody that we're talking to knows that's not worth it. But just craziness, just craziness. So let's go ahead and do the podcast question today before we sign off. What do y'all say? It sounds good. Yeah. All right. So the last podcast question of the day is what deck do you think will get a surprise top at either the regionals this weekend or the YCS next weekend? So we got a bunch of great responses. Dinos has a habit of reappearing in the meta. That's true, especially with the ability to main token collector. So good right now. Well, do you um, know why? Do what? Do you know why, though, with Dino? Um, because it can play really well under Scythe Lock. And like I said, it can main token collector incredibly well. No, and it has a good hand trap lineup. There's a new Dino FDK. <clears throat> yeah, but that wasn't what topped that regional, was it? No, I'm just saying like it's becoming a thing now, and that could happen. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, Salaman, great DPE, War Rocker, Weather Painters. That would be an interesting one. Adventure Virtual World. That deck's kind of sick. Uh, Despia. Probably just because it got so much hype around it. Adventure Fluffle. Fluffle did just top a regional in Texas last weekend. Um, Altergeist. It does seem to pop up. Uh, Dinosaur again. Yeah, yeah. ABC. That would be a cool one. Uh, Blue Eyes or Dark Magician. I doubt it, but it would be nifty. Uh, Plunder Adventure. Yes. Oh, God, yes. That would be so sick. I don't think we'll see it too much, but it would be so sick. Uh, Madolce, Black Wings, more Dark Magician or Dragoon Turbo. Please, God, no. <laughs> Get some help. And from the Discord server, we got some good ones. Earth Machines, Sharks, Eldledge, DDD. These are all some rogue decks that could definitely see tops. Live Twins, I think Live Twins could actually do it. Uh, Heroes, mainly because Live Twins can play like 20-something hand drafts. Yeah. Um, Heroes, Mystic Mind Burn, no, stop, get help. Uh, Invoke Dogmatica, stop it, get help, people. Be Trooper. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cyber Dragon. I, I think there's a lot of really cool decks that I would like to see top. 
Um, some of them I would not like to see top because they are cancer. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you're all allowed to have your wrong opinions. So, you know what? That's fine. We accept we accept you all. So, in the meantime, we do have today's podcast question of the day, which comes from Gary. He came up with this himself. Thank thank goodness, because we were, we're running dry on these. What deck do you think will get a... Wait, nope, that's the one I just had. Is there a card that you hate seeing in the meta? So this is a great, great, great discussion. Some people, uh, I think we discussed Super Poly. That's one that yep. you said, right, Gary? Yeah, I hate Super Poly with a passion. And it's going to be in everyone's manor side next format. It's going to be toxic. Listen, True. listen. Listen, I came back in this game on Super Poly and shit No, it was at three. Yeah, I was playing... Yeah, uh, like... Like, I came back and bought three of the Shadal Structure deck, which had already been out for, like, two months at that point. No, like, seven. Okay, yeah, it had been out for a while at that point when I got it. Um, and, I, and they were still... They were, I got it for... Doesn't matter. And that's how I got back in the game. And I think Super Poly is disgusting. Yeah, that card's dumb. <clears throat> so... Yes, that is our question of the day. Is there a card that you hate seeing in the meta? Um, I I hate seeing um, like evenly matched and like lightning storms and stuff like that. Okay, so with evenly matched, I didn't know what the big fuss was until and then you got evenly matched. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and my opponent went draw face, standby main, battle. And I went, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went, oh no. So I just banished my whole field. And he was like, no, 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 you keep one card. I was like, oh, cool. And I kept like a sanguine or something, which was all I needed at the time. Well, I kept Dryden or something. I don't know. Oh, I, I chained DPE. He's playing Zodiac. So I had a DPE in two sets. I just chained DPE and then kept one of my, and then kept a fog blade. There you go. I don't think that there's ever a better feeling than being at table two at a regional and going standby main against a full striker board. And he goes, yep. And you go battle and he chains four cards and you go main phase two. <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. It won me a game. Crazy. He had no back row. I summoned Ray. I set shared ride. I won that game. <laughs> insta win okay well we're gonna sign off thank you everybody so 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 much for listening to today's episode of the podcast remember we will not be here next tuesday or friday if you want your daily dose you're gonna have to find us on patreon on wednesdays so also twitter also twitter we will be on twitter especially around time of the ycs we'll be there a bunch so but in the meantime, thank you all so, so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Be sure to check out GGYGO on Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter, and Metify. And in the meantime, have a good day, everybody. Take care, everybody. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.